podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, the 7th of April. It is Good Friday, so no eating meat today. Probably shouldn't be drinking beer. Should be sitting at home, being thankful, saying your penance, getting yourself off to mass, having a good old pray. Or, Or what you could do is you could watch the bevy of football that's on today. We have... A full schedule in the championship. As we speak, Millwall are playing Luton and Rotherham are playing West Brom. There's also Blackburn Norwich, Blackpool Cardiff, 
QPR Preston, Reading Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United versus Wigan, Stoke versus Bristol, Swansea versus Coventry, Watford Huddersfield. A little bit later, there's Sunderland versus Hull, and tonight there's Middlesbrough Burnley. There's also a full schedule in League One, League Two, and the National League today. So you've got all of that. If you fancy a break from football and you're a rugby fan, 3 p.m. Wigan against St. Helens, the biggest match in Super League. That's one to watch. Um, Other than that, there's not a whole lot going on today. I do want to flag up a couple of brilliant pieces of journalism and writing that you need to have a read of. There is a piece on the BBC website. There's actually all of these pieces are from the BBC website. The skies will fall. Napoli, a city on the brink. Napoli closing in on their first title in 33 years. There is an outstanding piece here written by Alex Bysouth, who's excellent. So do check that piece out there. There's also a piece about Thomas Frank by Mark Sanderson. Highly recommend that one. Really good work. Uh, There's also a piece about Michael Beale and his battle to overhaul Celtic with Rangers. Obviously, we have the old firm Derby coming up. And that one should be a big test of where Rangers are right now. So it's at Celtic Park. Celtic go into the game nine points clear. It's very hard to see Rangers overhauling them. But a win for Rangers tomorrow would be a huge confidence booster and might just cause a bit of a wobble for Celtic. Now, it's very hard to see Celtic not winning the league from here. But you never know. You never know what might happen. These sides also play each other towards the end of the month in the Scottish Cup semi-final. I'm sorry, right at the end of the month. It's actually April 30th. So maybe a win here for Rangers gives them the confidence to go on and if Rangers could win the Cup this year, I think that they'd have to take that as a successful season. So do give that piece a read as well. But the the two main ones to read are the Napoli one and the um, the one about Thomas Frank is really, really good. Uh, Brentford have had a coach and Nottingham Forest have had a groundsman charged over an altercation, uh, pre-match altercation no less, way back in November. Manu Sotelo has been charged with improper behaviour. He is the coach of Brentford, or one of the coaches of Brentford. And Ewan Hunter is the grounds manager of Nottingham Forest. And he has been charged with improper and or violent behaviour. Footage showed Hunter approached the Brentford staff before being led away by Sotelo, which resulted in what appeared to be a further altercation. The pair had to be separated by Ben Mee and were spoken to by referee Andre Mariner. Interesting. Interesting. You'd wonder, were Brentford trying to mess with the pitch? Is that why, because it was at the city ground, obviously, is that why you and Hunter approached them? Because he thought they were 
up to no good, messing with his beautiful surface. There's a list here of five classic Liverpool versus Arsenal games at Anfield. There's the uh, Liverpool 4, Arsenal 0 in August 2017. There's Liverpool 3, Arsenal 3 back in January 2016. There's the 2-2 in December of 2014. Liverpool were dreadful that season, managed to get a point. The 4-4 where Arshavin scored all four. And of course, there is the 2-0 Arsenal win back in 1989, which, you know, we just want to forget about. Um, Pick your combined 11 for Liverpool versus Arsenal. Okay. So without question, the goalkeeper is Alisson. I mean, it's not really a conversation. Uh, right back, Trent is the better right back, but we'll go based on this season and we will go with Ben White. Left back, Sinchenko's probably had a better year. Robertson is a better left back, but Sinchenko's been really good. Um, I, I just can't get to Gabriel over Virgil. I know Virgil's not had a great Virgil season, but he's still grading on a curve been in and around the same level as most other Premier League centre-backs. And I'm taking Kanate over over Saliba. Saliba's really good, but Kanate's a different beast. Um, Holding midfield, this is going to make me vomit, but I have to pick uh, the Arsenal holding midfielder. Um, I'm taking Thiago over Granit Xhaka without, without question. I'm taking Thiago. And then the other midfielder would be Martin Odegaard, who's having a sensational season. Left side of the front three, I'm going to pick Bakayo Saka because I have to pick Mo Salah on the right side of the front three. Quite simple. And then through the middle, I'm taking Darwin over Gabriel Jesus. So I've got six Liverpool players. I've got five Arsenal players. You can make your arguments and post them to I don't care. PO Box 747. Ireland. That's where you can send them. Moving on. We will take a break. Because when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mr. Drinkle. So we'll get the break out of the way nice and early. Come back and we'll run through this weekend's features. Nice quick pod today because... um, it's Good Friday, and, and really and truly, we should all be having a good old pray. So we'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So before I bring in Guy, if you're looking for a bit of non-Premier League football this weekend, there's a huge match in Portugal today, Benfica versus Porto. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff, so that should be a must-watch. Um, in the Bundesliga tomorrow, at uh, both 2.30 kickoffs, Freiburg, who are fourth, take on Bayern, who are top, and Dortmund, who are second, take on Union Berlin, who are third. So two massive matches at the top of the Bundesliga. Leverkusen versus Eintracht Frankfurt could be a really fun game as well. Uh, they're seventh and sixth, respectively, both pushing for a Europa League spot. Only one point separates them, so that's a big game. And then Sunday evening, 
7.45 kickoff, Lazio versus Juventus. Lazio currently second in the league. Juve are all the way down in seventh, but they're making a late charge to try and get back into the Champions League spots. At the moment, they're six points behind Roma and Inter, but they have won three in a row and four of their last five, whereas Inter have lost four, three in a row and four of their last five, and Roma have lost three of their last five. So even despite the 15-point deduction that they had, Juve could still well get a top-four finish this season. And that should be a good game. It's a good test for Lazio as well, who are second on the base of Juve's point deduction, would be third otherwise. So do check those games out if you want. Right, bringing in Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm more... I'm more confident and relaxed about Liverpool this weekend. I think it's because I'm not doing the post-match. So I think that's why I'm just more relaxed about it. And also, I do fancy our chances at home to Arsenal. Yeah, we'll come at that. We'll come at <laughs> that. Um, so first game, we have Man United against Everton. Uh, Phil Neville died for this game. Um mm. It's a weird one because Everton <clears throat> obviously missing Decuria, who's a big part of their midfield, but Man United obviously missing Casemiro, Eriksson, etc. Um, if Everton could score goals, I feel like they could win this game, but they don't. So it's a tough one, but I think they could overpower midfield, but depends if they can nick a goal or not for me. That's the thing. So United, no Van de Beek, he's done for the season. No Castamiro, no Eriksen. That's their two starting midfielders. Luke Shaw looking very unlikely for this weekend. Tom Heaton is out. Garnac- Garnacho is out. And obviously Mason Greenwood uh, is out. So they're missing a lot in midfield. And you mentioned Everton are missing Decoure. They're also missing Calvert-Lewin. Uh, they're missing Andros Townsend. He's probably not going to play again. This, probably not going to play this season. And Ruben Venegra is back in training, but he doesn't really play anyway. The thing for Everton is they do have James Garner to come in, who's a former United player. They spent a bit of money to get him in the summer. And he might well just be really motivated for this game against his former club. So I think he's actually a good stand-in and gives them a bit more ability to control midfield because he's a good passer. He's got a good technical level. Now, they might just play Tom Davies either, just for the, you know, like-for-like like legs replacement. But I do think United will have trouble coping with that Everton midfield, just in terms of the physicality of Onana, the ball-winning ability of Adrissagana Gay. Obviously, the big question is, can Everton cope with the pace of Marcus Rashford on the counter? Because Seamus Coleman, Michael Keane, James Sarkowski, they're all quite slow. I do fancy Everton to get something here, though. At home, in front of the Goodison crowd, in an early kickoff, which are always a little bit weird. I'm going to go for a draw. United have not been good away from home. It's at, it's at Old Trafford, though, just to correct you. Is it? Yeah. Or is it going oh. to is it oh. the Premier League website? Oh, well then. Oh, United, United are winning this I game. Misspoken. Yeah, you're right. United are at home. I thought this game was a Goodison for some reason. I don't know why I thought it was a Goodison. 
Uh, United will win this game 2-0. Then forget everything I just said. <laughs> United will win this game comfortably. They they just will. The big pitch at Old Trafford will suit them. It's not like the, the smaller pitch at Goodison. United win 2-0. Yeah, yeah. It, should be, it, it could still be interesting, but yeah, at home, United. But um, <clears throat> speaking of other teams that... Well, it's hard to word how Aston Villa have been, but since Unai Emery's came in, I don't have the stats at hand or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're probably on a top four season level of form, because maybe it's due to the other teams more so than anything, but considering where they were when Gerard came into Emery now, they are seventh, played a couple games more than teams around them and stuff like that, but if he can take this transformation into next season... Villa are going to be sat exactly where Brighton have been all season, where Brentford have been sat all season, and be a real force next season, especially if they sign some players, Dave. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at, like you said, the form since he took over. He took over November 1st. Um, They've lost four league games since. They lost to Liverpool just after the World Cup. Then they lost three in a row to Leicester, where they shot themselves in the foot. Man City, where you don't expect them to win. And then they lost that game to Arsenal where they really should have won the game. They were 2-1 up and looking comfortable and then Arsenal got those two really late goals. Mm-hmm. Um, having having equalised, they got the two really late goals to win. They should have taken at least a point. Since then, they're unbeaten in six. They've won five and drawn one. Um, they, they've looked like a proper football team. Now, they did get dumped out of the FA Cup by Stevenage, which was a bit embarrassing. And they lost to Man United in the in the uh, League Cup. But overall, they're 18 games. So 16 of them will have been in the Premier League. 16 with 10 wins, two draws and four defeats in its 16 games. That's, that's very good. <clears throat> that's very good. That's 32 points from 16 games. That's two points a game. So you work that out over a full season. That's 76 points. Now... It's easy top for that. I'd probably get his third this season. Yeah. Yeah, most likely would get you third this season. Most likely would get you third this season. So that's where Villa have been since Emery took over. And they look like a real team. They play like a real team. They've got a defined setup and structure. I really like when he uses that boxy midfield. I think Jacob Ramsey is expanding his skill set. I know a lot of Villa fans are concerned that he hasn't scored as many goals, but when you see how much he's involved in the build-up play of things, I think that's a really positive sign. They're getting goals from everywhere now as well, like Bertrand Traore and John McGinn is scoring again, and Mm. they're spreading things around. But also, Watkins is on a great run. Watkins has been... He has been tremendous. And I think his his run has been overlooked quite a bit because obviously Rashford's had the run and Haaland is a freak of nature and whoever else. But Ollie Watkins, since the World Cup break, has been one of the best forwards in the Premier League. This is a home game against Nottingham Forest, who are in a bad run of form, haven't won in their last five, three defeats in their last five, and could very easily end this weekend in the relegation zone. At the moment, they're only outside of it um, on goal difference, and the goal difference is not significant. They're minus 28. Bournemouth are only minus 30. Now, only. 
the worst in the league, but it's only a two goal, two goal difference. Forrest this weekend, no Chris Wood, no Willie Bolly, no Dean Henderson, but Serge Aurier could be back. Emmanuel Dennis is a doubt. Jesse Lingard is a doubt. Scott McKenna is a major doubt. Ryan Yates is a doubt. Biancome is out and Omar Richards is out. So, like, you're missing nearly a full team. Uh, whereas for Villa, Maddie Cash is out. Coutinho is out. Bubakar Kamara is out, which is a big blow because he's been fantastic in midfield for them. And Jed Steer is out, but he wouldn't play anyway. You'd have to fancy a comfortable Villa win here. You would have to fancy a comfortable Villa win. So I'll go, I'll go 3-1. I'll go 3-1. Yeah, it could be a fun game, I think. I think it will be. I think the reason I'm giving, I, I think Forrest might score is just, you're still talking about a defence with Tyron Mings in it. So mm-hmm. there's there's going to be space to exploit. And I really like the link up between Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson. I think they've been fantastic for Forrest this year. They're, as a duo, they're pretty much the only reason Forrest are even, even with a puncher's chance of staying up. Uh, that and the fact that they dropped Steve Cook who was appalling. And if they do go down, Steve Cooper is going to have to look at those games where he kept Steve Cook in the team and they just shipped goal after goal after goal as the reason why they went down. Because if he'd made the change earlier, I think they'd probably be a bit more comfortable. Yeah, very strange season for Forrest either way, I think. Um, But next up, Dave, I mean, Brentford against Newcastle, it's a shame this almost didn't happen a few weeks ago for Brentford's sake because their form seems to have slipped a bit, um, whereas Newcastle have started to do football again. Um, but if this was a few weeks ago, it may have crossed over where Newcastle's form was just turning around and Brentford was still one of the probably more feared bogey teams of, of, mm, of the league. Um, but it seems to have slipped a bit with... With uh, I think it's a draw against Le- draw uh, draw with Leicester, draw with Brighton, but that was a bit of a mad game and and losing to Man United. <clears throat> Excuse me, I haven't seen the highlights of that because football didn't exist again. Shame, um, but no, this should be an interesting game. Obviously, having Tony going back to his old club uh, where he didn't play, <laughs> um, but Newcastle defense is the best in the league. Mm. Can they keep Tony quiet and can they can they get a goal? Is probably the main question, but. If if this was a draw, I don't think anyone would be surprised. No, but what I will say is that Newcastle are in a really good run of form. They beat Wolves, they beat Forest, then they battered Man United. Now the the game only ended two nil, but it should have been five. Like they missed so many guilt edge chances, it really should have been five. And then they went to London and stuck five past West Ham. So Toon have found their ability to create chances again. And Brentford are starting to look a little bit like a team that might be getting ready for the beach. Going into the game, no Lewis Potter, no Ayer. He's missed so much so much time this season. Yanult is back, which is big, and they're hoping that Onyeka could be back as well. Um, Newcastle, no Almiron, no Frazier, no Kraft, but they don't really count because Kraft hasn't played all season and Frazier has been dismissed to play with the under-21s. Um, you'd have to fancy Newcastle. Even even at Brentford, you'd have to fancy Newcastle. Newcastle, if you remember back in the first half of the season, destroyed Brentford 5-1 up at St. James's. But the big part of that was Brentford just deciding to start kicking the ball into their own goal. 
uh, in one of the more bizarre defensive displays we've seen all season. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Newcastle win because I think if there is a centre-back in the league this season capable of keeping Ivan Tony relatively quiet, I think it is Sven Botman. So I'll go 2-1 to Newcastle. Yeah, it could be an interesting game. Next up, we have another fun game. It's well, it's a te- it's a team on the beach, and it's a team that I think I can't remember if I worded it with you or worded it with today. It seems the most toxic club in the country at the minute, oh, in the Premier League. I don't know further down the leagues, obviously. But Fulham, <clears throat> obviously, Mitrovic is missing. Uh, I guess Williams still suspended as well. Um, whereas West Ham, I mean, if they don't sack the manager or whatever they are well not even tipped to it they are just cratering towards relegation at mm. some point because Leicester we don't know who the new manager will be Southampton are probably down Bournemouth who knows week to week they're very different but if Forrest just gets some players back from injury they'll uptick Everton yeah. have Sean Dyche so West Ham out of the teams down there unless Leicester go and hire I don't know Ranieri back or something for the crack I I I'm almost tempted to say they'd probably be my favourite for relegation, and they're the best team. Yeah. I was going to say the best team in that half, and half of the table, then I see Chelsea are there. <laughs> Except Chelsea, they're probably the best team in that half, and I'm almost confident that they will be 17th or 18th. Yeah, it's it's really hard to see how this improves for them if if there isn't a big change whether it's Moyes' goals, which I can't believe he wasn't sacked after the Newcastle game. I mean, you lose 5-1 at home to Newcastle. In the situation that you're in, I think you've you've got to get rid of the manager. But he could make a massive change to the starting eleven and not continue to roll out the same players that have let him down all season. But he just seems too stubborn. Now, Fulham, like you say, look very much like a team on the beach. They lost last weekend to Bournemouth. Having gone one up, they just kind of stopped playing. But West Ham need to start getting results because things will start to get real toxic down there. And the problem for them is they've got Fulham now. Their next game is Arsenal. Then they have to go to Bournemouth. Then they go. Then they have Liverpool. Then they go to Crystal Palace and you know Roy Hodgson will have tagged that as a game to get at least a point out of. Then they've got City away, United at home. Then they're away to Brentford, which should be a win because I think Brentford will absolutely be on the beach. But their last two games are Leeds at home and Leicester away. Two teams that are also scrapping in this relegation battle. So they've got four games against teams that are in the bottom nine, in this mix which in other seasons I would say would be a positive for them, but given how dreadful they've been, I don't think it's a positive. And then their other games are against, you know, top teams, bar Liverpool, but they're still capable when the mood takes them. I think it's a really, really difficult run for for West Ham here. And, you know, when you look at the fact that they've still also got the Europa Conference League going on, and their focus does seem to be split massively, it wouldn't surprise me if they went down. At this point, it wouldn't surprise me if they went down, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they went down and won the Europa Conference League, which would just be hilarious if they were to 
get relegated and then win the Europa Conference League, I, I think it would just be hysterical. Now, At the same I, time, Dave, that would take fine. a Europa spot off us. So I'm all for West Ham winning the Conference League. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. West Let's Ham go West United Ham. to win the Conference League. That's what we're looking for here. When is the final? June 7th. June so 7th. Over. That's next season. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, I mean, you look at the teams left in that. They, they've got Ghent. If they win that, they play Anderlecht or Azad Alkmaar. You'd expect them to beat either of them. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Lech Poznan versus Fiorentina. Now, Fiorentina are in great form at the minute, but I still think West Ham should beat them. And then you've got Basel versus Nice. But the thing would be, even though they should beat Nice or Fiorentina in a one-off game, because they've got better players, if they've just been relegated from the Premier League and then they've got to go and play this final 10 days yeah. later... like It's not going to be fun. It's going to be very hard to get the players up for that. Where is the final? Because if you've just it's watched your Prague. team... Eh, like, was, it, was it like Albania last year, wasn't it? So at least yeah. it's not... That again, I suppose, but and Prague is a great look. If 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 your team gets to that final, you go for a week. You definitely you go, do. It won't be as fun as it should be, though. No, not if your team has been relegated. If your team has been relegated, that's going to be a, a week of drowning your sorrows. Uh, for this game, I am going to go for a draw. I'll give West Ham the benefit of the doubt, given that Fulham have no Mitrovic and don't really need the points anymore and have lost three in a row, uh, four in a row if we count the cup game, I will go for a draw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we do have another relegation six-pointer. Uh, I don't know why I said another. We haven't had one yet. Um, Leicester against Bournemouth. I was just checking who was the home team there. Leicester, manager of Leicester, I should say, against Bournemouth, who are either dreadful or win, seemingly, <laughs> um, or maybe both at the same time. But it's so hard to know because I have no idea who Leicester's interim manager is, um, and Bournemouth may have taken Southampton the mantle as the most unpredictable team in the league. Um, but with Leicester's relative firepower, with quality players like Madison and stuff like that, maybe just <clears throat> the, breath, the breath of fresh air of not having Rodgers there might, help but it's a weird one it's almost too hard to predict i think this one yeah adam sadler and mike stoll are the two gentlemen who'll be um the joint caretaker managers uh stoll was the goalkeeping coach and sadler was just the first team coach it was great and happy gilmore yes absolutely loved him loved him in in um billy madison just yes tremendous um, this is a tough one. They're both bad teams. They're both in the bottom three. It's must win for both. Leicester have lost 18 times this season. 18 times from 29 games. They've conceded 51 goals. That is disgraceful. I may contradict everything I say about West Ham when I speak next. Because <laughs> these are awful. These are terrible. But I could see both them and West Ham going down. So Leicester, no James Justin. Tielemans is a doubt. Dewsbury Hall is suspended, which is a huge blow. Uh, they're hopeful Johnny Evans will play, but, I mean, he'll just get injured again. 
No Bertrand, no Vestergaard. Bournemouth. Sinisi is a doubt. Fredericks is out. Stanislas is out. Leicester are at home. I've got to back them to win. But I'm not confident at all. Not confident at all that they can win this game. I'll go 2-1 to Leicester because I do think if you want to look at the best individual players, I, I do think Leicester have the two best individual players in Madison and Barnes. So I'll go for a Leicester 2-1 win. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you For Bournemouth, you just got to try and get that defence, don't you? Um, but we'll move on to Spurs against Brighton. Um, Christ, feels weird saying this. A important game in the race for top four. Um and even for Brighton, just getting the Euro- getting the Europa League would be massive as well. To be fair, um, Brighton are certainly the better, well, just the better team. But Tottenham are so weird, obviously, with the Conte sacking and having uh, Ryan Mason and the Conte's assistant. I can't remember the name of being manager at the minute, throwing away points against Everton when. They basically dominated a horrendous game of football, but they took the lead, then got a man set and, uh, to even up to 10 men. It just was probably the most Tottenham game I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Christian Christian Stellini. Stellini that that sounds right. He's the uh, guy in charge, I think. I, I don't still don't understand why they sacked Conte. I really don't. I, I understand that maybe he wanted to leave, but... At the time you sacked him, you were in the top four. Like, you're Spurs. What, what more do you want? Um, and Conte versus De Zerbi would have been a really interesting battle of styles. Now, I assume Stellini is going to still play Conte ball because that's what we saw against uh, Everton. Brighton play, I think, the most attractive brand of football in England. Uh, Brighton are in slightly better form. They've taken 11 points from their last five games. Tottenham have taken eight points from their last five games. Brighton are only four points behind Spurs with two games in hand. Going into the weekend, Brighton have no Lalana, no Motor. McAllister should be good. Caicedo should be good. Lamptey, they're hopeful, will be back. Sarmiento's out and Enoch Mwaku obviously retired. Uh, but Spurs themselves have a couple of problems. So Emerson Royale is out. Rod, uh, Lucas Moura is suspended. Ben Davies is injured. Yves Basuma is still out. Ryan Sessignon is out. Richarlison is out. And Rodrigo Bentancourt is out for the season. So they're... They're getting down to bare bones because there's a number of starters in that group of people that are out. And it does mean that Clement Langley and Eric Dyer are going to make up two-thirds of their back three. Romero which... loves an injury as well. Could be at back two soon, Dave. Yeah, that's true. That is that is very true. They bring in Davins and Sanchez, maybe, and just go all calamity in the back three. I'd, I'd watch that game. I'm really looking forward to seeing Matoma against Pedro Poro. I think that's going to be fun. Um, I think Brighton can go and get... This is at Spurs, if I'm I'm right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Brighton can go and win this game. But 
Harry Kane deserves his respect. I'll go 2-2. I think it's going to be a really good game of football. I'll go 2-2. Yeah, certainly an interesting one. Um, Moving on then, Wolves against Chelsea. And I always say this, I still don't think Wolves will get relegated, but they're not doing much to uh, dispel my belief of them staying up. I mean, in the last five, three losses, a draw and a win. And the win over Spurs, that just happens. But they're not really good, but they're just kind of not as bad as the teams below them. But they probably need two more wins to stay up, I'd say. And then obviously you have a couple of draws and stuff. But they're not filling me with confidence when I see them, Div. No, they don't fill me with confidence either. Um, this is this is just going to be a, a, a dull game, isn't it? Like Wolves have scored 23 times this season. Chelsea have scored 29 times this season. That is two teams that don't know where the goal is. Yeah, but now Chelsea have a really attacking coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get out there and express yourselves, lads. Right. Lads, no midfield. You either play defence or attack. <laughs> yeah, every, every, everybody box to box. All Tenny is that are not the goalkeeper. Box to box, lads. Go and have fun. Um. It, it reeks of a Chelsea win. I know it's at Wolves, but it does reek a little bit of a Chelsea win. Wolves, no Sasa, no Chiquinho. Ruben Neves is suspended as well. He's out for the next two games because he got 10 yellow cards. Johnny Otto was out. Uh, Huang is back, and they're hopeful that Bubakar Traore will be back. Chelsea, no Brogia, no Aspilicueta, no Silva, no Aubameyang. I'm going to go for Chelsea to win 1-0, and I think it'll be a fairly turgid game of football. Yeah, if this is 0-0, I don't think it would surprise anyone in the universe. Um, It just depends who can score, basically. Um, Southampton against Man City, I presume this is only on TV because Southampton are somewhat of a bogey team, but this year seems different. Although, did they nick points? I can't remember. But Southampton against City, I mean, Southampton, I know I chatted some one one about them last week, but they do seem kind of doomed to me, Dave. I thought they were turning it around a bit, but since that draw with United, I mean... Mm. Not pretty. And if it wasn't for Spurs being Spurs, that would have been three losses on the bounce as well. Yeah, yeah, it would have. Um it it's looking it's looking very grim for Southampton. And the thing is City have to win this game because the title is is the the title race is now on. Uh they've got ten games left. Arsenal have nine games left. If City can win this the gap is five points before Arsenal go to Anfield. If Arsenal lose at Anfield, all of a sudden the title is City's to lose because if they win their game in hand and beat Arsenal, they, they're they top and then they just need to win out. So City have to win this game. They'll have no Phil Foden, but it looks like Erling Haaland will be okay. Southampton, no Livermento, no Che Adams. No Salisu. Bella Kotchup is back, so they're hopefully could start, but I'd probably just make the bench. And Larius is out. Don't want to spend much time on this because it's the sorry side 
to, to look at what Southampton are, are, are doing to themselves. Um, they've made poor decisions this season. The, the Graham Jones thing was a disastrous decision. An absolutely the disastrous fact, decision. The fact you can't even remember his name is... is What's his name? Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. Graham <laughs> Jones is the one... He was the... He's the assistant at Newcastle? Graham Jones... He replaced oh, Bruce for like a few weeks. For yeah, the that's him. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also he was Luton manager for a while. Yes, um, that's why I'm um mistaking them. Um, yeah, when Nathan Jones left to left Luton to go to Stoke, it was Graham Jones who replaced him. Did a dreadful job and got the boot after less than a season. Um, Nathan Jones. Yeah, the Nathan Jones thing was just an absolute shambles. And it it cost him so badly. It cost him so, so badly. I'm just going to go for a City win here, 3-0. Yeah, it would have been interesting. if the, I know, I think Jesse Marsh was still in a job at Leeds then, but maybe they could have just went, you're going to sack him, lads. We'll take him off your hands. But, yeah. Weird one. But moving on to Jesse Marsh's old team, Leeds. This is now this is another relegation six pointer. Shouldn't have misspoke earlier. But Leeds against Palace, Dave. Um Roy came in, got a win. Um a much needed win against Leicester in the relegation six pointer there. Whereas Leeds not far off probably at what, thirty four points probably enough to keep you up, I'd say. Maybe a bit more. But not far off, so mm. maybe... 30, grass- 35 probably yeah. keeps you up this year. Yeah, I think Gracias came in and done fairly well, considering the expectations of a yeah. random Watford manager coming in. Yeah, I think this is a... I mean, this is a big game for both, obviously, because they're Leeds are 13th, Palace are 12th, one point between them. It's a huge three points of either side can win. You know this is the type of game that in the the Roy Hodgson algorithm he's got marked down as a draw. So he's Palace got D next to anyone in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Hodgson algorithm is quite is quite straightforward. So what it is, people don't know, is you're you're aiming to finish between twelfth and fourteenth. That's what Roy wants. Twelfth and twelfth and fourteenth because. You're not really in relegation trouble if you finish in those positions generally. Now, this season's a little bit different. You're looking for somewhere between 41 and 45 points across the course of the season. So how you get that 41 to 45 points is all the teams that are below you. So say you finish 12th, you're looking at 13th and down. You want to beat them at home and draw with them away. So what that will get you is it'll get you... Eight wins at home, which is 24 points, and it'll get you eight draws away, which is 32 points. So now you have your 32 points. You only need nine more. So you're looking for draws at home against the nine of the rest of the league, and that will get you to your 41 points. If you can pick up the odd win against the other teams, great. If you can pick up the odd win away from home, Great, but that's the basic Roy Hodgson algorithm. That's what he's aiming to do. Beat the teams that are in that 12th and below mix with you at home, draw with them away, and then 
try and draw games at home against the rest of the league. And again, if you can pick up the odd point away from home against the better teams, all well and good. But that's basically what Hodgie wants. He will have this one tagged as a draw. And Grassi is kind of a pragmatic manager himself, and I think he would probably take the draw if offered the draw. Even, it's funny, like, to be 12th and only three points outside the relegation zone or 13th and only two points outside the relegation zone is is tough to take this season, but that's just what it is. I'm going to go for a draw. I'll go I'll go 1-1. But what I will say is, I actually think this, despite the managers in charge, there's a lot of talent in both teams, so this might be worth watching. Hmm. It probably won't be worth watching, but it might be worth watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the managers make me doubt that, Dave. Um, <clears throat> now, the big game. Well, on paper, the big game, I should say. Liverpool against Arsenal. Much more important for Arsenal, I'd say, because mm-hmm. Liverpool, even if they win, they're not getting top four. No. But they've got away games that they'll lose or draw. Um <clears throat> Now, Liverpool are a different team at home. Arsenal are bad against Liverpool. And they are... Let's have a look. Scroll up. They're currently eight points ahead of City. Could be different by the time this game starts, obviously, and City have a game in hand. Um, If they beat Liverpool, Dave, I think that may swing... Well, you obviously tell me. It may swing a lot of perceptions about them getting caught by City. Because mm. if they beat Liverpool, that's their bogey team, yada, yada, yada. And it's the first of a difficult run they yeah. win. Um, but if Liverpool do win this game, or even take a draw, maybe draw's not the end of the world for Arsenal. But if, the, if Liverpool win this game, I think loads of people will pile on, well, City, you're going to catch them. Yeah, 100%, that's what's going to happen. There's two enormous games for Arsenal that... I think the title is going to hinge on for them. There's this game, and then there's a way to Newcastle at the start of May. I I think City will beat Arsenal at the Etihad. So what that's going to... And I, and I think they can win out the rest of the way. So that basically gives Arsenal a two-point advantage. There's no room for error with a two-point advantage, because if we have a look at the table... City have a slightly better goal difference as well. So, realistically, Arsenal Arsenal need to either hope City drop points or not drop points themselves. I think this is a huge game for Arsenal. I think this is the biggest pressure they're going to be under this season. Going into the game, it doesn't look like Saliba is going to be ready to go. And if he is, he's going to be playing with a back injury, which isn't great. And then he's out. I think Enketia, they're expecting back next week, but not this week. And Tommy Asu is done for the season. Liverpool get two big boosts with Thiago being back and Van Dijk being back. Now, they still don't have Naby Keita. Calvin Ramsey and Bissetic are done for the season. And it's probably a week too soon for Luis Diaz. But if Saliba misses out, that means Rob Holding starts. And Liverpool have a lot of pace and attack. And Rob Holding is very slow. I think Liverpool can win this team. But before I get into that, I want to thank I want to thank Gary. Gary M LFC1980 for sending me this on Twitter. He said, I know you like these things when done properly. 
I won't name the group of people that did this because they don't deserve mention on my podcast. But a certain group of people did a combined 11 of Liverpool 2018 to 2020 and Arsenal's Invincibles. It's a thing to behold. So this is this is so bad, I don't really know where to start with it. Does it have Alisson in goal? So it has Alisson in goal, okay. which is fine. Alisson's a better goalkeeper than Jens Lehmann was. Absolutely. It has Trent over Loren, and that's fine. It has Ashley Cole over Andy Robertson, and that's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. It has Virgil, who's the best centre-back between the two sides. But it's got Joel Matip. Mm. It's got Joel Matip in it. I'd say over it's Saul Campbell. I'd say it's behind Colo as well. I'd say Colo at his prime was better than Joel Matip. Yeah. But Saul Campbell is levels above both of them. And if we take a little look, Joel Matip only played 31 games in all competitions in 2018 and played 13 games in all competitions in 2020. So just on the basis that he missed most of the 2019-20 season, he can't be involved. The answer is Saul Campbell. I was going to say, Matip probably played the same amount of games as Lovren in that time. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. I'd say Lovren might have even played more, but yeah. Joe Gomez almost certainly played more. So Matip, over the two seasons, 44 games. Joey Gomez... Joey Gomez played 68 games, so considerably more than Joel Matip. And at that time, was a better defender than Joel Matip. And Dejan the Pebble Lovren, to be fair, 33 games, but in the 1920 season, he did play more than Joel Matip, both in the league and all competitions. But the Pebble was crap, so we'll leave him out. Mm-hmm. The back four is easy. It's easy. It's Trent, Campbell, Virgil, Cole. There doesn't need to be discussion about that. Mm-hmm. Where it gets egregious is in midfield. <laughs> that Arsenal midfield was perfection. Lumberg, Gilberto Silva, Vieira, Perez. These imbeciles have put Henderson in the team. He wasn't even one of Liverpool's best midfielders in 18-19 and had four good months in 2020. The midfield is easy. It's all Arsenal. It's Vieira, Gilberto Silva and Robert Perez. And you can set them up whatever way you want, but they are the three. Is it gone four three three in this? Yes, they've gone four three three. And then up front, they've picked Salah. That's perfect. They've picked mm-hmm. Henri. That's perfect. There is no world, and I love him, but there is no world in which Bobby Firmino is a better player than Dennis Burkamp. It's not even comparable. Dennis Burkamp was incredible. Bobby Firmino stank the joint out in Liverpool's title-winning team. Maya. He was great the year before, but Mane is the one. Yeah, I was going to say. The, if, if there's a second Liverpool forward to go in, it's Sadio. You put Henri middle and then you put Mane on the left. Mane on the left. But given, given it's Salah and Henri, you might actually be inclined to play Mane as the nine, as he did a little bit later in his Liverpool career. But I'm still going <laughs> Burkamp. Or I'm still going you, Burkamp. You've been off Perez and put Burkamp as a 10, which he really wasn't, but... That's a shambles of a team. Yeah. 
I don't know where you get to Jordan Henderson been in that team. Because Ginny Wijnaldum was better than him. Fabinho was clearly better than him. And all of those Arsenal midfielders were better than him. To not have Gilberto Silva in the team is an absolute scandal. Guy was the best holding midfielder in the world at the time. Mm. Vieira obviously obviously is in. I'd, play, I'd take Perez and, and Burkamp over, over putting Mane in. Although Mane, to be fair, the title-winning season, 19, Mane 20, was the best Mane player in the was, league. Yeah, he was a Yeah, monster. he was a different level. I'm going to guess these lads are younger than me, Dave. No, they're not. No, no. One of them is a journalist for a a major online outlet, major online subscription-based outlet, and the other is a gang of lads that once released footage of one of their members saying, the people that want us to sign Thiago only know him from FIFA. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, a, a group of people who might well be on the Fenway Sports Group payroll. This <laughs> no. is a scandal. There is absolutely no world in which Joel Matip and Jordan Henderson get consideration. Ginny, I can see a little bit of a mm. a call for, but no, ultimately no. The only thing... Bobby, I, definitely I, I, not. Yeah, Out of your team, the only thing that's put me off is Perez in midfield, but... The alternatives aren't great unless you're playing for B. But you could go Salah right wing, Perez left wing, Gilberto Silva and Vieira as a two, Henri and Burkamp as a two up front. True. And then everybody's in their right position except for Salah, but he'd score. Mane against Perez, though, Dave, that's probably a closest discussion. It was, but Bobby Perez was the best player in England for one or two years as well. So. Mm. Like his peak and Mane's peak are probably about the same. He's more creative than Mane. And if yeah. I have Henri and Salah, I don't really need another goal scorer. I need creators, and that's where I get the Burkham. Yeah, I probably, saw late, I probably saw later you Perez as well, to be fair. True, true. I probably saw more Aston Villa Perez. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. For, I actually <laughs> forgot he played yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, lads. Boil your heads. That team is absolutely shambolic. Um, As for this weekend, I am going to go Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1. I've said it all year. I think this is where their season takes a turn. I've said all year I think City win the league. And I think it starts this weekend. I think City go and beat Southampton comfortably. I think Liverpool beat Arsenal, not comfortably, could be back to the wall, but I think they'll be able to catch them on the counter when Arsenal are forced to commit bodies forward. I'm going Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1. I think this is the weekend where the title swings towards City because, like I said, then all they need to do is win out. Win your game in hand and beat Arsenal, you're top of the league. Mm. And then it's head-to-head the rest of the way. And if you look at the games the rest of the way, Arsenal have the tougher run. So... I'll go for I'll go for the, the the Liverpool win in this one. Yep, and that is the last game. But if say Southampton do nick a point off City, this could be a very different discussion. If Southampton take a point and Arsenal beat Liverpool, then the title's probably close to over. Mm. So but, it, it it can swing massively this weekend. Absolutely, but as I said, last game. That's it. Cool. 
Right. Well, it's a shame we've no Monday night game. I do enjoy a bit of football of a Monday. No Friday or Monday games this weekend, which is Friday. I can understand because the Premier League oh, takes back holidays seriously. <laughs> the championship is on on Monday, isn't it? I'm almost certain that's what happens here. Are they doing two games in yes. three days or so? So they're playing Friday and Monday, so that's why there's no Premier League football. The the championship and the and League One, League Two, and the National League get preference because they need to get their seasons wrapped up so that they can go into the playoffs because they've still got the playoffs to go through in um, in May. So their need, season needs to finish that bit earlier than the Premier League season. Uh, right, that'll do us for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will not be here Monday because it's a bank holiday, but all going well, we'll be back on Tuesday. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your weekends. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully your team wins, unless your team is Arsenal. And then I hope your team loses. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.